0: I'm going to read for us Ephesians chapter 1, the opening of Paul's letter, uh, down through verse 14. And would encourage you to follow along with me as I read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us as we dive into the letter to the Ephesians. What a weighty and lengthy blessing to your people, God, from the Apostle Paul. What a wonderful unpacking of your love to us and the lavish grace that you have poured out before we even realized or recognized what you're doing. God, with the intensity of this blessing and uh, the significance of your work, give us eyes to see and ears to hear just a glimpse this morning in the face of our struggles, the ways in which we so often can see just the next step we're taking. God, I pray By the power of your spirit, you will lift our faces to you this morning, that we may have some appreciation of your love to us, the grace you've shown us in Jesus, the privilege that we have to be called sons and daughters of God. I pray that for each of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't been to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, it is uh, pretty amazing. It's deep history, uh, rich content, and uh, what I appreciate most about it is thoughtful design. But if you haven't been or if someone comes into town and they say, hey, I I have an hour or less, uh, can we go see it? You should tell them no. We can go see other things. There's plenty of art museums. There's other history museums, natural history, American history. There's other options. But don't go to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture if you don't have time to see all of it. And and here's why, because the thoughtfulness of the design, when you enter in at the ground level, you have to take this massive elevator with a whole bunch of people down uh, to a- almost like the equivalent of the basement, the lowest floor, and that's the starting point to work your way up through five floors of content. That's how it's designed, and so on the lowest floor, when you step out of the elevator, it's dark. Uh, And it's confined, and the pathways uh, are designed in a way to help you almost uh, through your senses begin to get a grasp of the significance of the evils of the transatlantic slave trade. That's how it's designed. That's the starting point. Now, it doesn't stop there as you progress up through the period of segregation, through the fight for civil rights, uh, into uh, the community of black culture, and up to the top floor to the the significance of the high points or peaks of various figures, cultural figures, and cultural moments. You get a fuller sense from basement to ceiling— of African-American history and culture. But if you were to only go in and you had an hour less, and you just experienced that basement level, the darkness and weight of it, and you leave, it's almost like you're going to have a malformed sense of the history and culture involved. And the same if you came in and you just only went to the top floor but didn't have any appreciation of the centuries Uh, that had come before it. If you stepped out after just seeing the basement or just seeing the ceiling and said, oh yeah, I've been there, I've taken it all in, you haven't. You've missed something. And this can happen to us when we think about our own lives. We can, uh, in the face of recent events, uh, in the face of our current circumstances, Uh, it has a way of pressing in on us in a way where we can begin to think that we know what our value is or we know whether God loves us or not only by thinking about what we're currently going through. And Paul is writing this letter and opens in the way that he does because he wants us to have a more expansive view of what God's love to you this morning means. He, in a sense, wants you to have the full experience, not the 30-minute experience of God's redemption, not the one-hour experience of God's grace, but he wants you to have an eternal perspective about what God is doing in redemption, just what it means that God loves you and he's lavished grace upon you, just how that reshapes how you think about your own life, even, even in the midst of really difficult and challenging moments. And so as we open the book of Ephesians, it's important for us as we just step into the book to understand how do I think about God's grace to me? How do I think about the role that I play in God's work of redemption? This morning, we're going to take that up in three points. Uh, They're on the screen just to help you follow along, but three points. Three points. The rare Mosaic three-point sermon. You're getting it this morning. What you have, where you find it, and what it means. What you have, where you find it, and what it means. So here, this opening section, the first two verses uh, are three, two verses, right? Uh, it's a, a standard uh, opening to a letter. Paul, it's the standard, uh, you know, email or opening where it's like, "Hey, what's going on? Good afternoon, uh, hello, good to see you." Uh, that's what he's doing. in those Two verses, right? He's just giving the standard introduction and brief blessing. That's significant, uh, in as much as that's just a pattern. But you can keep moving past that into one long continuous sentence in the original language so 3 through 14 while the english translators have broken that down to you and made all sorts of interpretive decisions about how to punctuate it in greek this is just one lengthy blessing it is uh, one continuous rich engagement in what god is doing it is an unfolding, as the theologian John Calvin said, to rouse the hearts of listeners to see their hearts on flame and to fill everything, even to overflowing. It's a way to wake us up, so to speak, to invite us in, to recognize just what we have when we're talking about God's work in redemption. And, and it's significant. God has blessed us. He has elected us. He is making us holy in verse 4. He is adopting us into his family as sons and daughters. Verse 5. In him we have redemption. We have an inheritance. We have a guarantee ...of what God is doing that means something not only today, the next week, but for all eternity. All of these things are ours. And so this calls us in the midst of our own current circumstances to just zoom out a bit. And recognize that when we think about what it means to be a Christian, we can think about that in the moment to moment. But... Uh, we shouldn't only think about it in the moment-to-moment. Here, what we have involves God's work in our lives. God's work in our lives that uh, started before the foundation of the world and will continue to the new heavens and new earth. And everything in between, we are participating in just what God's doing that has Uh, a connection and an impact into our lives. So that's what we have. Well, where can we find it? You could be sitting here and said, that sounds great. Holiness, redemption, grace, love. Those things all sound wonderful. Where can I go get that? And if you're working through that question, thanks for being here. That's a great question to ask. We're going to work through it together. As uh, Paul is unfolding this, and I tried to emphasize this when I was reading through. So you can go back and listen to the podcast or to the YouTube recording later. And you can check for yourself. But I tried to emphasize the in Christ and in him, because that's where we can find all these blessings. The starting point for us when it comes to God's work of redemption is Jesus Christ, and it's in him. We can often miss this uh, reading it, but this language of in Christ is something that Paul uses in all his letters. And what he's talking about is when we individually turn to faith in Jesus, we are connected, united to him. And at that point, we are in Christ, and that has meaning for our lives. People can often think about Christian faith or about uh, how they approach God as a type of uh, insurance policy, even a fire insurance policy, right? Like, hey, I want coverage and some benefits if something bad happens to me. And so I'm going to show up occasionally to church or I'm going to kind of check some boxes because I want to make sure I have that coverage if I ever need it. Now, for the rest of my life, I could just walk through it and do whatever I want. But then if I ever need to check in those benefits, I can grab onto them. And there's a danger of reading this whole list of blessings and think, oh, those are just the Christian benefits. So like this is the policy. This is all the fine print in the policy. Uh, That's not what Paul is doing. Because when we're united to Christ, it involves not some sort of like uh, corporate and impersonal transactional set of benefits. It's rather much more a personal and relational connection to our Redeemer Jesus that then has all of these other overflow benefits to you and I. So when we think about holiness or redemption or forgiveness or adoption or inheritance, we can never think about those as uh, impersonal lists of benefits that we just kind of get when we need to check them in. But rather the overflowing benefits of being in Christ. Let me give you an example. This uh, church building is owned by uh, Four Corners Ethiopian Evangelical Church. And uh, Pastor Indy and I regularly go to lunch at different spots around the neighborhood and community about once a month or so. We try to make it where you go eat. And you may not know this about Pastor Indy, the pastor of Four Corners, but he is known. Uh, He's a big deal. And so we went to an Ethiopian restaurant in downtown Silver Spring. And when we showed up, uh, we walked in and he was immediately recognized. And we were going to kind of sit just right by the door. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We've got a special section. Come on here. And they took us back to this area that was different from all the other tables in the dining room. And the owner, I'm not kidding you, really happened, the owner of the restaurant was sitting at the table doing some paperwork. He gets up, greets Pastor Indy, and then gives him his seat and takes all of his stuff and disappears into the back room. And then we sit down. And I'm like, what is going on? I've never had this kind of treatment when I eat Ethiopian restaurants. And so we sit down together. Then after we eat. An amazing meal. We're walking out and apparently like the Bill Murray of the Ethiopian acting world was there visiting his son in college and he's eating at a table with a huge entourage, like a table of like 12 people. He recognizes Indy, gets up and starts talking to him and Amharic. And I'm just like the guy who's like kind of standing there, right? Just like, wow, this guy's a big deal. And you could tell at some point in the conversation he asked Pastor Indy, Who's this guy? Now, he doesn't do it that obvious, but that's what he does, right? And Indy explains, and then he turns to me, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, great to meet you, right? I got attention that I would never get. Here's the point. Indy didn't give me the Ethiopian VIP card that I could just walk around downtown Silver Spring and, like, show my card. I get all those things. I experienced that because I was with Indy. Personally, I was connected to him. I was walking through life with him. And as Christians, we can make the mistake of thinking that uh, we just get some sort of Christian card that we put in our wallet with a list of our benefits, just like your insurance card, and you pull it out whenever you need to use it. The reality That Paul is making here. And what we experience in Christian worship every week is that Jesus walks with you in every part of your life. In good times and in bad. And that's where we find all these blessings. It's not printed on the card in our purse or in our wallet or next to our phone. It is through the personal and relational walking through life in Jesus. That's where we can find these things. Well, what does this mean? Paul unpacks in a really lofty theological way, reaching all the way before the foundation of the world and looking all the way forward, talking about the blessings that we have, talking about where we can find them in Christ. And toward the end, verses 11 and following, we get a sense of what it means. to the praise of his glory. We, having been united to Jesus, God, in a mystical and spiritual way, pours out his spirit into our lives. So that when you are united to Jesus through faith, God gives you his spirit. He pours it out into your life as a guarantee Of what's to come. As a deposit to show you are now participating in the ongoing work. You are now an And what he's given us our his spirit to guarantee. Often people can think about Christianity just on that first floor level. Or that fifth floor level without taking into account the whole deal. They may think about it as the basement of one set of rules that we all have to follow. They can think about it merely as the middle level of one action by Jesus on the cross, and that's kind of it. They may think about it as the top level of like one decision point that I made in my life, but that was way back then, and now it has nothing to do uh, now. Paul, in this opening of the letter to Ephesians, is reminding us this morning, sisters and brothers, that God's work in redemption is so much more then just one of those things god has been working since the foundation of the world in the world as an act of love to you and he invites you in to participate pouring out the blessings that have been secured in jesus christ we are invited in if this is the first time you're hearing it uh, be encouraged you are invited in to turn in faith To have your life shaped, not just uh, tomorrow, not just next year, but for all eternity. When we think about what God's doing in that way, it's not that it erases what we're currently going through. It's that for a brief moment, say just an hour and a half of worship, it lifts our face to give us a more expansive vision of God's grace Something that even in the midst of our darkness and difficulty, we can still lift our voices to sing. Something that in the midst of our hardships, we can even lift our prayers of lament. Something that even in the midst of challenges, we can call ourselves truly blessed. That's what it means for us to be in Christ. Let me pray. Gotta ask that as we think about our lives this morning, that you will encourage us to not just think or consider the hard moments or difficult questions, but even if it's just for this morning, to zoom out for a moment and consider that your love to us, your grace to us, what we have in Christ, reshapes our lives, not only today, not only tomorrow, but forever. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen.